As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show special realignment rumor edition. No, no, we're we're not going to spend a lot of time on realignment. We, we've got Chris Vanini here. We're going to talk, well, several topics, because Chris has written a lot lately about a lot of very interesting things, including fat guy touchdowns. So we have to have a serious talk about fat guy touchdowns. We got to talk about Mike Oresco doing something that a year ago, if you'd said the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference is going to have to deny plotting with ESPN to destroy the Big 12. Uh, I would have said that sounds ludicrous, but that's where he is right now. And we're also going to talk about AAC member Cincinnati entering a season when, I don't know, if things broke right, maybe they actually could be a playoff contender. Uh, There's a lot going on. And we, you know, be remiss if we didn't talk about the Chris Berman nickname story that Chris Vanini wrote, because Eric sleeping with the enemy is an all timer. I don't care how you feel about Chris Berman. That's incredible. So Chris, welcome. You've been incredibly busy. Yes. I mean, I think we all have. It's, it's been one heck of a summer fall camp is here. And honestly, I'm not even in the football mind yet. I'm, I'm writing conference previews and trying to remember what actual football looks like. Uh, uh, and we're still a few weeks away and who knows what's going to happen in the coming weeks, but uh, it's been good. And so let's, before we start with, with all the stuff you've been doing, there was a rumor. We, we, we don't even have to say who said yeah. it because it was completely ridiculous. I wouldn't even but call it was a pretty rumor. funny. <laughs> well, when, when you start it with, I have to, sh- I tell you who told me, but I'd have to shoot you and then proceed to basically say anybody who hasn't been invited to the SEC yet has been and is now joining. So uh, let me make sure I got it right. Which which schools is it? The TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State to quote-unquote lock up the Texas market. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you're, when you're doing realignment, when you're expanding your conference, you have to do it like The Bachelor. You have to give out one or Lots two spots at a time. You can't bring everybody at once. You got you to gotta let them sweat a little bit. I, I, I think that's what the SEC is probably doing here. Well, I mean, when you have two lesser lights in the Lone Star State, like Texas A&M and Texas, you really do need to beef up your presence there. Yes. You know, I man, I really want I, I'd love to know. I mean, I'm sure nobody did, but I I, I want to know who told him and, and 
if you would follow through, like if I said, hey, you can shoot me if you tell me, like, would would he go through with that? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, somebody somebody on Twitter said this. You can go find it if you want to. <laughs> Not true. It's pretty funny. I just if I was making up a BS realignment rumor, I mean, that's shooting for the moon, I guess. But I mean, wouldn't you at least throw like Arsenal in there or uh, or the Los Angeles Rams? I, I need the you know, this summer has really lacked the dude of West Virginia. The the oh, Twitter yeah. famous realignment. Doesn't he have his guru. tweets protected? They are protected. He follows me on Twitter, and I I went to go look uh, a couple weeks back, and yeah, they're protected. We can't see what the dude is saying. Maybe they're behind a, a paywall somewhere. Uh, maybe people are paying for those kinds of scoops. I hey, listen, I, I will not begrudge anybody putting their stories behind a paywall trying to earn a living. So for sure, that that's fine with me. But I I do love that the realignment specialists, the the people like the Twitter feeds that roared back to life. The moment realignment started and it's like, wait, where have you been? Are you somebody else the rest of the time? And then when realignment hits, you are suddenly this person. Yeah, it's good. You got to have a niche. I mean, people, you know, people are going to come to you for one thing. So when it's your moment, you got to have the goods. But see, realignment's a really weird niche to have. Like Lunardi, I understand. The NCAA tournament is once a year. Lunardi has his time to shine. Mel Kuyper, the NFL draft is once a year. He has his time to shine. We don't know when realignment's going to hit. It could be 10 years before the next round. Now, obviously, something's going to have to happen with the rest of the Big 12. But, you know, it, there, this lies dormant for a It's like a volcano. It lies dormant for a while. Yeah, that's what, that's why you have to stay on top of it, even when nobody's talking about it. That's what the best reporters do. So they're ready for when the moment comes. And I think I, I don't I remember just, what this I don't remember what this guy's name was, but him him and the dude uh, clearly, I think that's what they've been doing. Well, I I for one am excited for the uh, the and, and this this was very specific. This report, by the way, it was it was going to be two divisions. Two 10-team divisions. Do you know what we call a 10-team division, Chris? A conference. That's right. We call it a conference. <laughs> so yes. I'm guessing it's probably the, the that's probably not how things actually work. And and when you're when you're crafting your BS realignment rumor, you should probably try to have some element of reality in it. Hey, look, when when we when we get proven wrong and he gets proven right, we will forward this to old takes exposed. You don't need to do it yes, for us. The whole episode. Um, and yeah, I will, when, I, when, will, when the, I will deliver. Yeah. When, when, the, when the SEC decides, hey, you know, we liked Oklahoma and Texas, but we realized what we really needed was more Big 12. Then then I guess we'll be wrong. That's right. We would be wrong. And I will I will apologize in person. I will fly. And meet this gentleman and say, I'm sorry. Please don't shoot me. Well, you don't have to tell me who told you. But well, as long me. as he doesn't have to tell you, then he, then he won't have to. Okay. Well, then we're good. We're good. But And this is, this is just how all of this is going. And the, the level of believability of everything gets ratcheted up because, like we were talking about earlier, you know, you just wrote this story on Mike Oresco, and it's a, this is a legit story. This really happened. The, the commissioner of the Big 12 really did send a cease and desist letter to an executive at ESPN saying, stop plotting with some other league to ruin us. And clearly he was talking about the American. And so you talked to Mike Oresco about this. And, and so what is, what is his 
response to all of this? Because he, he, he was on vacation in Idaho when all this happened, right? Yeah, he has a place in Idaho that he likes to go to. He might be there right now, actually. I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it, first of all, for, for folks who aren't aware with the geography of the city of Dallas, the American Athletic Conference just moved into its new office like last year, but they didn't really move in because COVID. The Big 12 is less than a mile away, right across the highway. You can basically see them from each other. So Bowlesby sends this letter to ESPN. It's really about ESPN. It's not about the American, but Mike Oresco talks about it at their media day last week, I think it was, two weeks ago, and says, no, we have not plotted with ESPN to take the other Big 12 schools. Now, the American absolutely would love to add Big 12 schools. And oh, yeah. Mike, and, and Mike wouldn't talk about any conversations they've had with schools. But the I, so, so it's natural that the American would want to do that. The idea that ESPN was plotting with them is not something uh, that he would uh, admit to doing. Yeah, well, and, and he said something like, well, they everybody asks about the lay of the land. And, and that's the thing. You don't have to be plotting, but you can kind of figure out where your your league stands, and, and you kind of know based on, on your, own, your own contract. But you can figure out what everybody else is worth. You can ask around and figure out what, what everybody else is worth. And then figure out, because if you read the tea leaves and, and you have some idea that Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave, or you find out Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave, you need if you're Mike Oresco to know a couple of things, you need to know what are mine worth because well, are they about to get poached and what are they worth? Because can I play defense by playing offense? Right. And you know, it, it's, I don't think we're going to get an answer to what direction that's going to go in for a few years, Chris, unless something crazy happens because if I'm the, the rest of the schools in the big 12, I want to squeeze every penny out of Texas and Oklahoma that I can. Right. Right. There's no unless one of the other Big 12 schools gets an offer from another power five league, which doesn't appear likely, especially not imminent. It's in their best interest to stay together, both for playoff purposes, for uh, for playoff money purposes, for autonomy purposes, to get for, for TV purposes and to get all that all that buyout money out of Texas and Oklahoma. It behooves them to stay together. And if they're staying together, then you have to think about if you're the Big 12, is there anybody we can add? And where are you going to first look? You're going to look probably at the American. And so if you're the American, you have the most to gain here, but also maybe the most to lose. And like you said, you play play a bit of defense by playing offense. And Mike Oresco told his teams, he uh, told his ADs that he thought, he, he thinks that they, there's a chance they could get some Big 12 schools that they could convince them to come over. Um number of people are skeptical about it, but it's really not up to them. It's really up to the big 12 schools. Well, and, and that's exactly right. The, they, they, I think will still have leverage and more power than the American schools, but, but the Americans been trying to, to, you know, promote this idea of the power six and they're the sixth power conference. You take Texas and Oklahoma out of the, the big 12 and they might be the fifth most powerful conference. I, I think it still depends on how good, each Pretty team close. is kind of year to year, but yeah, you, you look at the, the top of the big 12, which right now, or the top of the, the big 12 minus Oklahoma and Texas, which right now you're, you're talking about Iowa state. You're talking about Oklahoma state TCU. If they get kind of get back into the groove that they were in before. Uh, and then the American Cincinnati UCF, 
Tulsa's been very good the last couple of years. Houston could be pretty good. SMU's been pretty good. I think they're both pretty good leagues, and and but when you look at them, they, they seem pretty even. They are, and really, uh, what any potential move will come down to is television money. I mean, Bob Bowlesby said at that Texas Senate hearing that losing Texas and Oklahoma would cut their TV revenue in half from $28 million. So if you're still getting $14 million a year in the Big 12, that's double what you're getting in the American right now. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's the other thing. Every group of five team right now, if they got an offer to join the Big 12, they are taking that offer. Unless, exactly. It, it, from 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 all the way west to San Diego State, all the way up to Temple in the Northeast, like everybody's going to take that because there's going to be more money. There's going to be more uh, potential college playoff uh, spot there and payout autonomy. So no one's going to, none of the teams are going to say that publicly. They can't. They're going to say we we like our conference. We're always looking for the best thing. But they're all they're all they'll all take a Big Twelve offer if it comes. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Of all these teams we're talking about, the one that, that is getting the most hype on the field this season is Cincinnati. They, they're coming in after they, they go undefeated during the regular season last year. They lose to Georgia in the Peach Bowl in a very good game. They bring back almost everyone. Luke Fickle obviously has been the targeted by various coaching searches, but continues to stay at Cincinnati and, and really seems to enjoy it there. And I'm curious about this because, you know, Chris, there's really only been one team I felt like in the group of five that ever had a real chance to make the playoff. And it it did the hard part and and didn't do the, the easier part. It did the hard part by beating two very good power five teams that happened to be very good that season, which is, is the part that no group of five team can control. But it's that that 2016 Houston team that beat Oklahoma that would go on to win to the, the Big 12 title and beat Louisville with, with Lamar Jackson, but then lost two games in, in American Conference play. Right, that, that, that Louisville win, I think, was later in the year. Houston got yeah, up they'd to, already think, lost some games at that point. I yeah. think Houston got up to number five, I think, a couple weeks after the Oklahoma, five or six after the Oklahoma game. And, and, and this was ha- after having won the Peach Bowl the year before over Florida Correct, State. Correct, against Florida State, yeah. Yeah, so they get up to five or six, but then they lose to... I don't remember if it was SMU or Navy. They lost to Navy and SMU. The SMU loss was especially shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember which one was first, but it it was one of those. And that's the point that Bill Hancock always makes when people say a group of five team can't make it. He says, 
Houston almost did. Houston could have. That that's what it is, and that's what Cincinnati faces. They are number eight preseason by and far, they have, the, and they have Notre Dame and Indiana. Yes, in the well, the, starting at eight, that's by far the highest a group of five team has ever been in the preseason. That Houston team started at fifteen, I think, and they got up to five. Mm-hmm. So Cincinnati is already starting at eight. They've got two current top twenty opponents in the non-conference with Notre Dame and Indiana. But they need that's the, they need Notre Dame and Indiana to be good, and that's yes. the part. And, and this is what every every group of five team will lament: is Alabama doesn't have to worry about how the rest of its schedule fares. Because let's be honest, they know that some some of LSU, Florida, Auburn of that group is going to be really good. So if they can get through it, they're fine. But with the group of five, you you do have to kind of rely on how good your your power five non-conference opponents are. These two, the last few years, have been very good. So if they're as good as they've been the last few years, then I think that's that's good for Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati has to beat them, and then they still have to be good. So yeah, both, both on the they, road, too. Yeah. And if they can, look, getting through the American is no cakewalk either. You got Gus Malzahn at UCF now. Uh like we mentioned, Tulsa's been good. Uh, Dana Holgerson hasn't had a real good year at Houston yet, but it's been, you know, they, they had the one of the weirder COVID situations that you'll have to deal with. And I just, you know, I think it's going to be really hard to go undefeated in the American, no matter it, how good Cincinnati yeah. is. It, it, it is. And well, one thing about Cincinnati, though, starting at number eight, if they beat Notre Dame in Indiana, it'll still be early enough in the season that Cincinnati will probably top five at that point. They, they could be real yeah. close to top five. They don't have to climb up as far. And if yep. they get to number five-ish and win the rest of their games, they will be in the conversation. It, obviously, if the bottom falls out of Indiana and Notre Dame, things could change. But that's the benefit of starting where they're starting is that there is more room to give. But, but as for that conference schedule, they get UCF at home. They get Tulsa at home. They get SMU at home. They don't play Houston. They don't play Memphis. That's pretty good if you're Cincinnati. Yep. It, it, it's it, it can't good be chance set they up. Would see them, sure. It, 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 because the American only has eleven teams. It's going to be top two play each other in a conference championship game. It may there may be a rematch in there. It may be a Houston or a Memphis. Um, so it, there's there's not another division to go with, but. It sets up pretty good between the, the number of people that they have back between those Notre Dame and Indiana games and between the conference schedule and all those games at home. This is as good a chance as a team maybe will ever have to make the comfortable play of a group of five team. Now, what's interesting is the hardest part of their schedule pretty much ends October 23rd at Navy. You know, if, if let's say they're undefeated then they will have beaten Miami of Ohio, Murray State, Indiana, Notre Dame. And Indiana and Notre Dame are both road games, as you mentioned. Now, they are not consecutive weeks. There's a bye week in between. Right. So, but then they play Temple, they play UCF, and then they're at Navy. The, the UCF and at Navy combo is, is going to be harder than people think, too. But, yeah, if you're done with that, after, afterward, you've got Tulane, Tulsa, USF, SMU, East Carolina. Tulsa's the scariest one of that bunch, but you can manage that. And then you may just be sitting there watching everybody else pound on each other and, and clinging for dear life when the playoff rankings come out. Well, the, the, the SMU game is, is one to watch. I mean, SMU's got a yeah. lot of talent. They just need to figure out the quarterback situation. But if they do, 
they're going to be and that's they could, yeah yeah they could be top three in the league so this is this is going to be this is going to be a very interesting year because I do think we're going to have that conversation now I, I don't know I can we're, we're pretty sure Cincinnati can beat Indiana and Notre Dame I, I don't I'm not saying they're gonna beat both of them but they are certainly talented enough you know Desmond Ritter is a really good quarterback. Sauce Gardner is the kind of guy that he would, I mean, he's a cornerback. He would start for probably every team in America. Uh, there's, there's a lot of talent on this, this roster. And it just amazes me the job that, that Lou Fickle has done because, you know, Cincinnati was one of those programs that was good for a long, long time, but Tommy Tuberville did not leave much. No, it was a disastrous run there and do not bring up his name to the fans there because that came after a run of Mark D'Antonio, Brian, Brian Kelly, Kelly, Butch Jones, Butch Jones. all yeah. winning big and then completely fell out under Tommy Tuberville. And Luke Fickle has recruited at essentially a big 10 level. He's added mm-hmm. multiple four-star guys to this roster in the last couple of years. And you couple that with just the great coaching they have. This one thing about Notre Dame game is that, Marcus Freeman, the former Notre Dame, or the former Cincinnati defense coordinator, is now at Notre Dame. So that'll be a uh, a meeting of friendly faces there too. I, I I I've talked about this with Ari as it relates to Kentucky, but I'm curious because you're you're a Michigan State grad, you still follow that league very closely. How much have Mark Stoops and Luke Fickle affected the recruiting in the middle of the Big Ten, like the mid level Big Ten teams? It's been huge. I mean, I mean, you get those Ohio kids that Mark D'Antonio made a living off of, and you saw the bottom fall out on, on D'Antonio there because they just didn't have the same level of player. You know, Ohio State under Urban Meyer recruiting nationally, Michigan recruiting nationally, it left a lot of talented kids in Ohio available that Michigan State was feeding on. And then Kentucky comes in and is taking them, and Cincinnati's doing the same thing. I mean, the year Luke Fickle turned down Michigan State and stayed at Cincinnati, and I think maybe even this past cycle, Cincinnati's recruiting better than Michigan State is. Wow. Like, like the, he he turned that he turned that job down. He's now making three million dollars, and he's got a a path to the college football playoff. And he's got a, a he's recruiting, getting that talent level up. Where this is a Big Ten quality team. Yeah, and and that's the thing, and and that makes you handle the dips in the schedule better, handle the, the having to play Navy, you know, right after you play a really good USF or UCF team that, that makes you capable of withstanding that it's the same thing Alabama does in the sec at a, at a higher level where you're just deeper than everybody else. Yeah. And it, especially in the trenches where Cincinnati's got honestly some all American quality linemen in there. Like that is a team that can live in the trenches. You saw it against Georgia where Cincinnati probably should have won that game. They, they blew it at the end, but they held up against a very talented Georgia team. And that's if they the don't difference. lose their left tackle. I think, I think they probably, yeah, well, that's exactly. That you game. saw that once they lost that guy, then they, it was an open door on that side and it became difficult. But when they have those starters there, the, the, the depth will get you through the American, the depth won't get you through the sec. Uh, but, but the guys who are starting are, are quality guys. In the American, the, the, the other team that really intrigues me is, is UCF going from Josh Heupel, who went to Tennessee, to hiring Gus Malzahn from Auburn. It, you know, you've, you've talked to Gus since he got there. 
I, I've watched pretty much every press conference he's done, and it's weird. It's weird. It's like vacation, Gus. Like he's <laughs> yes. the happiest person on earth right now. And I knew, I knew that he was under a lot of different pressures at Auburn. Yeah, but it's amazing how different he sounds when you take that that kind of pressure away. Yeah, and I mean, he was even asked, I think, in the press conference, like the pressure of like an undefeated season at, at UCF and kind of what they have. But man, that's nothing compared to the pressure they have <laughs> at a place like Auburn. And that's the reason he's what twenty five million dollars richer uh, before even right. taking this job. But yeah, yeah, he, you know, he, you know, he says he was not going to coach this year. He was going to maybe do some media or something, but then Tennessee shoots itself in the foot and hires Josh Heupel and suddenly a job's open with an AD he has worked with in Terry Mahajer. They work together at Arkansas State. And suddenly the best, arguably the best group of five job in the country, better than a lot of power five jobs, is open. You got $25 million in your bank account. It's in Orlando. It's a nice place to go and you can get a lot of kids there. And that's what he's doing. And he sounds like, like you said, he sounds like he's having a great time. Yeah, it's it, it is. A, it's wild how different it is. And 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 Auburn is one of those jobs where there's a lot of people calling you always saying, hey, you know, you need to do this and you need to do yes. that. And he, he's not getting a single phone call like that at UCF. And that's that's big. No. But also that that UCF team last year, obviously, the offense was very good with Dylan Gabriel running the show and, and he's he's back. Their defense wasn't very good, but they had a bunch of opt-outs before the season started. So now everybody's back. Plus, you get some transfers like Big Cat Bryant from Auburn, who was he was a good player at Auburn, but I don't think he was in terms of draft stock what he thought he should be, and, and decided he wanted to play another season, but he wanted to play it for Gus. So he's he's at UCF now. Yeah, they've added eight or nine Power Five transfers at wide receiver, defensive tackle. Like like they lost quite a bit. They lost their top three running backs. They lost some of their top receivers as well. And so Gus turned to the transfer portal, grabbed guy from Tennessee, grabbed Big Cat from Auburn, got a couple Auburn guys, got got a former five-star recruit from Notre Dame. And he's planning to use the transfer portal every year, like the way SMU has used it, which is there's a lot of power five guys who aren't getting the playing time they want, guys you maybe couldn't have gotten out of high school who will give you a second look now. And it's a whole new, a whole new way to bring in some more talent. And so he has upgraded that talent level big time since he got there. And it's and, and the offense has those questions, but they have pieces. The defense has been falling apart in recent years. They had all the opt-outs last year, but they also had a couple of players kicked off the team late in the year, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the defensive side. That caused even more problems because that defense was was a mess by the end, and we saw it in that blowout bowl loss to BYU. Oh, that, yeah, it was brutal. But yeah, I, I think. I think the way they're doing this is is a good idea, and the SMU model is is the way to go when you're in, yep. you're at a, a nice school in a big city, yep. a city that produces either produces a bunch of talent that goes elsewhere where you can get the bounce back guy coming home, or you maybe get a guy from Miami or Tampa who went out of state who wants to mm-hmm. come back to Florida and play because UCF has put enough guys in the draft lately that like an older guy making a business decision. UCF looks like a very smart business decision for that transfer. Yep. And, and, and I mean, they've done that with some transfers already. I mean, Trey Nixon uh, had come from, I think, Ole Miss. Uh, they, they had mm-hmm. they had grabbed some transfers here and there. But a place like UCF, a place like SMU, a place like Houston, 
where there's a lot of local and state talent, those are the guys you're looking at maybe a year or two since they left. Maybe they can come back to you and have two, three years left. Yeah, I, I'm very intrigued to see Gus because the, the the biggest issue with Gus at Auburn, I think, was quarterback development. They never seemed to develop. Right. Right. And now he, he inherits Dylan Gabriel, who may be one of the five best quarterbacks in the country. And can he help him develop? Can he, can he make him uh, a, a very good draft prospect? And obviously Gabriel does not have to leave after this season. But if he has a big year, he might want to. That is the biggest question to me in this entire conference is how does Dylan Gabriel fit in this offense? It, it's not that Gus always needs a running quarterback. You know, we saw Jared Stidham at Auburn, but all of those best years came Chris, with where, where was Dylan Gabriel committed before UCF started recruiting him? It was one of the service academies, right? It was army. Yeah. It was, he was going to be Milton, a running quarterback. Mackenzie Milton, I He's, think was committed to Navy. Yeah. Well, he, he can be, but he also throws maybe the best deep ball in the country. And so that's why I'm just curious how this, how, how this is going to fit, how this offense is. You don't want Dylan Gabriel just straight running the read option the whole time. I don't think. Yeah, but you, but you know what this, this makes me think of? What if Nick what? Marshall could really throw? I don't know if Dylan Gabriel can move quite like that. He's not a converted, you know, what was it, receiver or defensive uh, back or something like that. Yeah, Nick was a corner. corner. Yeah. Um, but but he, he moves well and, and moves well with the football. Which there's there's a difference there. I I like the guy like Connor Shaw when he was at South Carolina was not a a super plus plus athlete, but he was very smart with the football. He understood when there were yards to be gained on the ground, and and he go get them. And he didn't have anywhere near the arm that Dylan Gabriel has. So that's the thing. I, I think in Gus's offense, this this could be a, a very good marriage. Um, you know, we're watching Derek King in that offense because Rhett Lashley's running it down at Miami. And I think, you know, Derek's arm is not what Dylan's is. Right. But Dylan, Dylan's a very good runner. And I just, I, I, I'm excited about what that can be. But by the same token, I hear all the Auburn fans going, wait and see, <laughs> wait and see, because the quarterbacks here didn't grow. Right. Well, I mean, how many Jeremy Johnson think, think about all the guys that came at Auburn that were going to be the next big thing and just, just weren't, but Dylan Gabriel, he doesn't need to grow that much as a quarterback. He just needs to grow in the system. He knows he's already an elite passer. He's already, like you said, one of the top quarterbacks in the country It's just got to be a good fit here in terms of what they're running. So yeah, Auburn never had a quarterback, you know, maybe cam, but but someone who could throw it was okay. <laughs> yeah, that was, but there's an example: a, a guy who came in essentially one year. He was an older guy, and he fit, and it, it made it work. He did. He's a guy who didn't need to grow as a player. Yeah. I mean, he did, but Although he, he needed. To he had the maybe the best natural skill set of anybody yes. who ever lived. Yes. I mean, that, yes. that helped. Yes, but. that's exactly. Yeah, there wasn't as much growing as a player there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just excited to see what what happens there because I, I think that conference race is going to be a lot of fun. I think that that Cincy UCF game in Cincinnati at Nippert is going to be wild. That's one of those I I still have not gotten to see a game at Nippert. I've been to Nippert a bunch of times, I, but but not seen a that place looks like it would be amazing. I have at not night, right. lights on. I I think I'm supposed to go because our our Cincinnati writer Justin Williams told me I think he's in a wedding that weekend. 
I have to Ooh. check back with him, but I may be going up for that game, and I really hope I do because I've not we, been there oh, either for a game. While we're on the subject of Justin Williams, our Cincinnati writer, we <laughs> have to talk about his amazing story yes. on on Luke Fickle's wife, and and they. So Justin got. I guess she invited Justin to a bar class. He 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 asked somehow, her. He he asked what, her, "What do you like? Like, what do you like to do?" And she said, "The bar class. You should come." Yeah, and, and so and, they, and then they said, "How about but, we bring Luke?" Yeah, Amy convinces Justin to invite Luke, and the scene he oh, it's just incredible because they're talking about they're doing this burpee thing, and they're these these extended burpees where you're supposed to do two push-ups in 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 time in time to pop back up, but the instructor says some of you look like you could handle doing four push-ups, and Luke goes, "I think she's talking about me," and Amy comes over and goes. I think she's talking about me. <laughs> yeah, and he paints this picture of Amy's killing this workout. And Luke, former college football player, former NFL player. He played the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, former yeah. NFL player. He's he's having a tough time with this. So shout out to Amy Fickle, who uh, clearly is owning her husband when it comes to these uh, these workouts. Here. Also says raising six kids is easy. Because I, I guess she was the eighth of ten, so she she said, if my mom could do that many, then then, ten, then six is no problem. But I can tell you right now from having two that <laughs> six sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah, but between them and the Freemans, they had a whole huge family of kids that were always together. I saw the photo. They, they sent out a photo yeah. with with all of them together, and it was pretty pretty yeah. crazy. It's like a family reunion but, in, in my in my family. Well, I, th- I feel like, though, that, that that large family, that sort of the, the way they've got things set up there in Cincinnati, and, and obviously Luke Fickle's oldest son is now on the team at Cincinnati, he's a different kind of coaching job candidate when when the carousel starts to spin. You know, you, you can say, oh, Luke Fickle is is has done well, he's ready to move into the power of five, but I don't I don't think he goes anywhere unless it's absolutely perfect because he's got a situation that works so great for him now. And he's making $3 million a year. He's making mid to low big 10. He's making mid big 10 money anyway. Yeah. You know, he, he, you know, Mark D'Antonio would have loved for him to be the replacement, but Mark D'Antonio mm-hmm. left in right before signing day. And he left with a cloud of NCAA investigation over the program. If he hadn't done that, if he had stepped down that December, Luke Fickle might be the coach of Michigan state right now, but that was a real tough yeah. situation to put him in that he didn't need to take. He like for what you said, he, he, he has a great team, a great program. He's not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. He didn't need to take that kind of risk. He he's a guy who can take over a program that is built to already built to sustain. Well, and that's the thing, you know, we, we often just look at those things in terms of, well, how good is the job? How, how prestigious is the job? What does it pay? But we we need to look at it the way we'd look at a job that we were going to consider where, how does your spouse feel about it? Mm-hmm. Is it in a town you want to live in? That that sort of thing. That's the the more those those things matter just as much to football coaches as they do to us. Outside of, I think a little bit of time in New Orleans, Luke Fickle spent basically his entire life in Ohio, from growing up, from playing, from coaching, like that. That's 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 what he knows. That's what his family knows. You know, he's not the kind of guy you think will just pick up and go to Southern California on a whim to take, to take a job. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Before I let you go, I have to talk to you about, well, 
two things. We got to talk fat guy touchdowns <laughs> because you we, we're doing our, our 50 things we can't wait to see essays at the athletic, a countdown to uh to the football season. I've got one coming out on Saturday. I already had one about Ralphie running running with Ralphie. If you listened to the podcast last week, you heard Savannah Spakes, the the Ralphie handler who gets to run with Ralphie. Uh but you had a great one recently on the fat guy touchdown, which I, you know, I played on the offensive line when I played. These are near and dear to my heart. No one ever even thought to give me the ball. And I just, you, you talked to, uh, it was Brian O'Neill, right? The, the tackle yes. from Pittsburgh. Yeah. He's now with the Minnesota like, Vikings. He's so athletic. It's ridiculous. Like, it's not even, it feels like he's not even a fat guy touchdown with him, even though he's a 310 pound tackle. But right. the, the, what he told you, about hearing Nathan Peterman call the play in the huddle was just tremendous. Yeah, so so they're playing Georgia Tech. This is 2017, I think, 2016, one of those years. And Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, comes up with this play and says, hey, if we get inside the 25-yard line, we're going to run this. And O'Neill didn't really believe him, just kind of thought whatever. And then they get to the game. They, get, they break off a big run, get inside the 25 get in the huddle and the play is called. And he says, I pretty much blacked out after that part. <laughs> and what they did was they ran a throwback screen to him and he takes it right in for the touchdown for, for Pitt. And he wasn't done that year. He also took a, a revert, a kind of an end around handoff against Virginia tech for a touchdown. And he threw two. Yeah, I kind of wondered year. why they didn't, they didn't give him the ball more. Yeah. And, well, he was, I, I, he was a dynamic play. Now that offense, that offense was really good that year. Yeah. But he was a dynamic playmaker. He really was. And I mean, you talk about, you know, not exactly a fat guy. He's a converted tight end. And I asked him this. I said, hey, a lot of people call it fat guy touchdown. How do you feel about that? And he said, eh, I don't really, I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I'm a fat guy. You know, we actually said big guy in the in the, in the the um, story because we didn't want to upset some folks who maybe don't want to be considered fat guy touchdown. But I talked to some other people. Some other guys were, were fine with it. But I know it's what we call it on Twitter. But uh, yeah, he he uh, the the Vikings should look to get him involved in the offense more often. I think. <laughs> Listen, I, I saw them in the preseason last Saturday. They <laughs> they need all the help they can get. As yes. uh, Kellen Mond would love to do some some trick <laughs> plays to him when when because it uh, it sounds like Kellen Mond's gonna have to play a lot more in the preseason. So, um, and then the uh, the other story of yours that, that just cracked me up was you wrote about the Chris Berman nicknames, which growing up, this was every Sunday night in, during the, the football season, you, you would get the NFL highlights with, with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson, and, and he's rattling off the nicknames. But also before that, and I didn't realize you were, that you were old enough to, to remember this, the baseball tonight, Chris Berman nicknames, the baseball nicknames were were the first ones I like Andy Dick Van Slyke and Chuck New Kids on Knobloch. But <laughs> yes. then but then the football ones, Eric sleeping with B enemy, uh Jake Daylight coming, I want to Dell home. Like those the, those were outstanding. You talked to Berman himself, you talked to some of the guys who had the nicknames. What what were your favorites and and who had the best kind of response to their their own nickname? Well the the one of my favorites and the reason I did the story, I, I mean I, I started it like three months ago is because I saw something on TV that involved CC Sabathia. And he had the he had the name CC Splish Splash. I was taking Sabathia. <laughs> and I crack up every time I think of that. And I was like, you know what? We have this culture vertical where we basically just get to write about a bunch of fun sports stuff. 
and whatever we want. I pitched it to the editor. He said, yeah, go for it. Took a while to get everybody that I wanted to get. And, and the result was just a lot of people who had a whole lot of fun with the whole thing. Jake DeLome's been out of the league for 10 years. People still bring up that nickname to him when they say it. Eric Bieniemy, same thing. People still talk about that. He got married a long time ago, and he said his wife wasn't exactly a big fan of it by, by that time. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he wasn't. But the, the best one, and I, what I think is the best one, and Berman agreed, is back to baseball. Bert Behom Blylevin. Yes, that the is twi- a the, the twins one. pitcher. And I talked to Bert. He loved it. He's both him and Berman told me they have a photo of the two of them looking at their watch, but they didn't have the photo on them. It's back in storage. They didn't know where it was, but I, I would love to see that image. That's that's considered by many to be the best one. The first one was was a Frank Tanana Daiquiri. I talked to <laughs> Frank. He, he works at a church now outside Detroit or John Mayberry RFD. That one's a bit obscure. There was a TV show called Mayberry RFD on oh, yeah. CBS. Prior, 70s. Proto Andy Griffith show. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- it was one of those two were the first two. But Burt Beholm Blylevin is everybody's favorite. Well, in that same era, he also had O to be young again, McDowell. Yes. Which, <laughs> that, was, which that, was pretty tremendous. That's a great and look. One. You know, I, I'm not, I'm probably like everybody else who when when they see Chris Berman now, it's it feels kind of sticky and, and old, but. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I cracked up every single time, like every time. If I saw, you know, the city of if, if I saw. Three River Stadium, I knew I was getting an Andy Dick Vance like and <laughs> that made me happy. Everybody had a, everybody had their favorites. Uh, I, I mean, I, a couple months ago when I first put it out there, I just said, hey, what's your favorite Berman nickname? Because I, I had seen the CC Sabathia thing and I got a bunch of them. There was Brian Totally Screwedland. There, there was a uh, Rick Innocent Lysander. And just like I'm a guy who loves puns already. And Berman just went so over the top of it. He, he just hundreds of them. As I was talking to him, he just was like, hey, what are some of your favorites? He just start rattling them off. And I'm just laughing. Andre Bad Moon Rising is another absolute that, that's, that's probably That honestly might be the most famous one. I mean, he got that tattooed on him. And that was a well-known nickname that probably a lot of people don't think uh, came with him. There was, uh, And then the others, Fred Crime, Crime Dog McGriff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tried to get Fred. Yeah. I talked to some people who were close to him. They said he was essentially off the grid. Uh, mm. Don't know what that means. You should have called Tommy Mansky. <laughs> you'd have called Tommy Mansky. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I could have done that too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, it yeah, was those, a lot of fun. Those videos was... were all filmed on the little league field where I played. Oh, really? When I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, yep. wow. I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> a few years before, but yes. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah. So I, those commercials were great. I, the Fred McGriff standing there with his bat on his shoulder it was it was tremendous, yeah. I I love those, and that, that was a, a a very nice trip down memory lane. I, I love when we we kind of go a little off off kilter, yeah. At the athletic, so I, I plan on doing a little more of that, a little more food writing here as uh the world hopefully begins to open back up and we can we can travel to some stuff. Uh, haven't been able to yet, but it's it's gonna happen. I, I can feel it, but. I, I'm very excited for this football season, Chris. And uh, this is the, the Cincinnati part of it. That we we tar- talked about at the beginning of the show. I just, 
I'm going to be locked in on, on Cincinnati, Indiana, and Cincinnati, Notre Dame, because I really do think if they get through that, we have a lot to talk about. And, and there will be a, there's a lot of people in the group of five that are going to be rooting for them that maybe not say it, but just the idea to break through. I, I mean, there's just there's a belief that once the playoff moved to four, everybody just kind of pushed the group of five down a bit more because Boise State, TCU, Utah, those were teams that could get into the top five pretty mm-hmm. regularly for a period. But once once top five meant you were in the playoff conversation, then people were a little bit less willing to do that. And Cincinnati's got a chance here starting at number eight. And with that schedule that that a lot of people hope they can break through and, and really uh, provide a future opportunity for everybody else. All right, I'm going to try a Chris Berman nickname here. That is Chris Vanini Press. <laughs> it's okay. It's not it bad, right? It works. It's it's up there. What, what's um okay. uh shoot? What's the 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 staple store motto? What what is that? I don't even well, know. Well, they what have it the is. easy button. Yeah. That's yeah, the problem. The, an, an, yeah, and how about Andy? Andy, the easy button staples are something like that. I don't know. It, everybody thinks that my last name is easy to come up with a nickname for or or make fun of. And then you try to do it and it nothing ever really works. It's very embar- it's it's annoying. I'm I'm sure we could come up with something if we tried it. Sta- I like I like Andy, Vanini press. Andy, I, I, I mean I Andy, Andy Staples gun. That's true. Maybe. It, it's I'm telling you, it's way harder than you think. Because I have a weird last name that is a common office supply and also a large office supply chain. So you'd think it'd be easy, but it's just not. So maybe we need to go to Berman with it. Berman will come up with something. Yes, he will. He, he, I'll, he ask, said he, I'll ask Anthony Booger McFarland. I'll text Anthony. I'll, I'll text Booger. Nobody ever calls him Anthony, not since Philip Fulmer tried to make him a center. Uh, <laughs> but I'll text Booger and, and just say, hey, Boog, I need your help. Next time you see Berman, tell him that you got a friend named Andy Staples and he needs a nickname and you needed to go to the expert. He could do it. He's got such a catalog of of old songs, old movies, things. Uh, uh, I think it was Jim two, uh, two silhouettes on Deshays. <laughs> that was a favorite among the older crowds. I had to look that one up. I'm not going to lie. But Jim but Saturday was, Night Lefevre was was another one of my favorites. Oh, 80s era manager. Okay, it could work. It could have worked with Dan Lefevre, the Central Michigan quarterback as well. That, that's exactly right, Chris Benini. Thank you so much. Yep, thanks for having me, Andy.